Today's podcast is sponsored by the Christ for Disciples podcast. I'm Pastor Paul Steinberg, son of a Ken and father of five sons. Each weekday on the Christ for Disciples podcast, I apply God's word to raising the next generation. Take 10 minutes each weekday to listen to the Christ for Disciples podcast and get direction and gospel power to disciple the youngest generation. Subscribe to the Christ for Disciples podcast by going to ChristForDisciples.com or searching on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and whatever else. ChristForDisciples.com. You are listening to the Gird Up Podcast. This is the place where young men come to learn what it means to be a man after God's own heart. To gird up is an ancient way of preparing oneself for hard work or a battle ahead. And our work is to reclaim masculinity in the modern world and live out our calling as men of God. Here you will find a community of believers working hard to be the men that God created them to be. So roll up your sleeves, gentlemen, and gird up. It's time to get to work. If you haven't made it to the website yet, make sure you do so. On that website, you can buy Gird Up t-shirts just like the one I'm wearing right now. This awesome, super cool Marty's Muscle Torium t-shirt. You can get a t-shirt that says, if boys don't learn, men won't know. You can find stickers there and all kinds of other things. Hopefully some new merch also soon on the way down to Pike. Oh boy, I think that's just about it on the Gird Up website. You can... um, Buy us a $5 cup of coffee. Thank you to those gentlemen who have done so already. Uh, I got to ship out some more T-shirts again today. I just got a bunch of uh, low-stock notifications on the T-shirts as well. So if you want a T-shirt, especially in the adult sizes, you need to go order one right now. Okay? If you want a T-shirt in an adult size, you need to go order one right now. They're only $17, and I'm making profit on these T-shirts. Uh, I'm making like a $1.50 profit on most of them, um, which really is nothing when you think about T-shirts. Really what we're doing is we're just trying to get the word out about these T-shirts. Um, man, I, I, I want to get the word out so people know what's going on here. Um, and it's nice to have a couple extra bucks in the bank account. So go do that. Um, like I said, $5 donation. You can also do that there. You can join the club. Uh, give us a $5 cup of coffee. Or you can donate on Patreon. Have a few people do that as well, including my big sister. Thank you, big sis. Anyway, um, you guys rock. I love you all. Thank you to those of you who have been supporting us with your prayers. Um, you rock as well. Um, man, the Lord is good to me. He's good to us. And we've got all kinds of exciting things coming. Um, unofficially have a date for the um, Collegiate Men's Retreat. I'm not going to say anything yet, though, because I don't want to be wrong. So uh, we unofficially have a date for it. So it is coming. It's coming down the pike, and you need to be ready for it. We're going to cap it at 30 dudes, maybe 50 dudes, but probably 30 dudes. So as soon as that information comes out, you have to make sure you sign up right away, sign up your buddies, sign up yourself, all that good stuff so you have a spot. It's going to be a great event. Man, I'm so pumped about it. I actually had a couple of dudes already say to me, who are helping me plan it, but a couple of dudes already say, I don't want to help you plan it. Like, I don't want to help you run the event because I want to attend the event myself. That's how cool this thing is shaping up to be. So, man, it's going to be a joy to be there, to be a part of it. It's good stuff, bro. Let's say a prayer, and we'll get started with our show today. Heavenly Father, with the words of my mouth and meditation in my heart, be acceptable in your sight. Guide my words today so I might speak the truth to those who need to hear it. In your name we pray, amen. Fellas, today I want to talk about bouncing back. Uh, there's a few of you guys 
um, three or four guys actually who reached out to me in the last month or so um, and talked about some sort of great crisis that's happening in their lives, um, whatever that might be. And they're usually self-inflicted crises, especially at this age. Um, a lot of the crises that we face are self-inflicted between the ages of like 16 and 25. That's usually the case. Uh, the, I, the tendency of young men in general over time, honestly, um, the tendency of young men over time, but especially in our culture right now, uh, our American culture right now, the tendency of young men is to get lost, right? We see a lot of Peter Pan syndrome type guys, you know, the guys that never really grow up. They're they're 30 years old and they're still bros, right? Still acting like they're fraternity, fraternity dudes. And even the fraternity dudes in college, part of the reason that they're acting the way they do is that they also don't want to face the reality of life, right? They don't want to grow up. Um and it takes all kinds of different shapes and forms. Uh, dudes that just go out and drink too much. Like, I'm all for an occasional, like, night out with the bros. I had one of those last week to watch the Bucks game. It's, I, <laughs> it was worthwhile. We stayed up all night, played poker. I almost won. I didn't quite win. Um, but, like, those are a blessing. Those are wonderful things. Those are good things. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the binge drink every weekend, getting slashed all the time, can't stop smoking weed, kind of teenager um, who turns into a 30-year-old but is still a teenager, that kind of, that kind of, a spider web. Uh, that kind of guy that just won't grow up, right? Um, and, and we all know some of those dudes. Those are the dudes who date their girlfriend for six years and still don't get married. Those are the dudes that are driving toy trucks, you know, all into their 30s. Those are the dudes um, that can't seem to figure out what they want to study. They just bounce from degree to degree. Those are the dudes who keep talking about how great they were in high school. You know what I mean. Right. Um, but God is good to us. God often blesses us with wake up calls when we start to behave that way. Um, when we don't get on track and start living like men are supposed to live, especially men after God's own heart. So especially as Christian men, God's going to make sure he sends us wake up calls. He's going to do it for everybody. Um, and our job is to make sure we don't ignore those wake up calls and we make the amendments that we need to make. But um, wake up calls can look different for every dude. Um, for me, man, it was it was a couple of it was a couple of different things. Um, and that, frankly, it was really, really personal. But um, you got, uh, we've talked before about my history with pornography. Like it got to a point where it's just like, no, I, this isn't, I hate who I am. I hate who I am. I hate um, the way I interact with the girls around me. I just hate it and despise it. Um, and that's a weird realization to come to is like this idea of I really hate myself for what's going on in my own life, right? Um, there's another big wake-up call for me, uh, I, I would say, I, my first teaching job, I had to leave my first teaching job, and I wasn't like fired or anything, but they basically said, Look, you're not going to serve in the position you want to serve in anymore because you're not a good fit for us. And what, it re- what I realized was that I put all of my identity into that. And so a situation where they were actually looking out for my best interests and for their best interests at the same time. Like It was in my best interest to move on from, from the school I was at. Um, and looking back at it, I'm actually very thankful for it because I honestly... Like, I don't see, I, I can't, even looking back, I can't see myself having stayed there. Um, I, I really do think it was best for me and probably best for them, too, that we parted ways. But at the time, it hurt so much, um, and it took a lot of, um, I didn't have a lot of humility. So the Lord had to teach me a lot of humility so that I understood why that relationship dissolved, why I wasn't a good fit there, why they didn't want me to come back. Uh, and, and it turned out to be a huge gift for me. 
um, A, to understand that and be humbled by it and recognize that I need to be a better team player, but B, also to recognize the skills and gifts and abilities that I have and stop trying to force myself into a square hole. Like, I'm a round peg. I can't keep forcing myself into square holes all the time. Well, I guess it's probably the other way around because a round peg would fit into a square hole. So it's a square peg into a round hole. I don't. It doesn't really matter. I spent most of it. So it wasn't like two big – well, there was another one. <laughs> I got in a fight with my roommate once. Um, this is long after college, but that's a whole different conversation too. Um, but those three things combined really woke me up and pointed out like, hey, bro, you're not the man you think you are. You're not the man you want to be, and you're not surrounded by the dudes you want to be surrounded by. Um, and it set me in the direction that I'm going now. And I honestly, if it hadn't been for those hardships and difficulties, I definitely wouldn't be here doing this, like studying for ministry, helping you guys out, doing the podcast. Um, definitely wouldn't be, I mean, like definitely wouldn't have the opportunity to date some of the girls that I have who are just amazing human beings. Um, looking down the pike here, hopefully, never mind. <laughs> but man, I just, like, I wouldn't have the friends that I do, like the guys that I've met after I decided, like, hey, I don't want to be this dude anymore. The men I have met and interacted with along the way since then have been such a blessing to me, whereas many of the men that were in my life at that point really haven't been a blessing to me at all. So those wake-up calls have been a very big and important part of my life. I know I didn't give you a ton of details about exactly what they were. Um, I don't want to throw anybody under the bus either because there were a lot of bad, I had a lot of bad influences that were in my life, and I let them be there, and I let them stay, and I don't want to like throw them under the bus either. So I'm not going to give you a ton of details very publicly about that, but... The tendency of young men is to get lost, and God will send us a wake-up call. Um, and those wake-up calls are going to look different for every dude, like I said. Some guys are going to get kicked out of school. right? Some guys are going to get kicked out of school, and it might not even be your fault. And it might not be something you expected. It might be high school. It might be college. But there's a lot of dudes, a surprising number of dudes get kicked out of school. Um, there's a lot of dudes will get dumped by a girl, and that will be a wake-up call. Especially if it's like the girl you think you're going to marry. Like It's your dream girl, and she dumps you. Or you're working so hard, so hard, so hard to get a certain girl, and either she rejects you or you realize that she's not. Like, I, I love um, uh, John Eldridge talks about the golden-haired woman. She's not like this perfect girl who's just going to make all your dreams come true and make your whole life make sense. So you get the girl, and then you realize that you really still don't know who you are. Um, a lot of dudes will run out of money, so you just like living life, living life, living life, and all of a sudden, bam, credit cards maxed out, don't have money for school, mom and dad won't get you anymore. Essentially, you're cut off, and you're broke, and you have nowhere to go, so you got to drop out of school and work or whatever it might be, right? Uh, a lot of guys, it'll happen like in small doses, like when you get cut from a team, especially if you know you're talented enough to be on a team, and you get cut anyway, right? So you know you're more talented than a dude that made the team, but you get cut. What the coach who cut you was saying is you don't have the same level of character this guy has I'd rather have this guy around even though he's not as good as you and you can take that as like a, man I got rejected this coach sucks or you can take it as a like whoa like character check I thought I was going to be the guy on the team that was like the grunt that gets through it and uh, he chose somebody else that that means I'm not the man I think I am um, some dudes will get fired from the dream job, right? Or even just the job that you enjoy. You think you're cruising, you think you're doing great, and all of a sudden, bam, you lose the job. Um, some dudes get a girl pregnant. Now, a few of those guys who are godly men, they're wonderful dudes um, who are just messing around and uh, got somebody pregnant, right? And their whole life changes in a second. That's a wake-up call. 
Um, maybe you wreck your car and end up in a hospital for a few days. You're just laying there on your back thinking about what's going to come of your life. Actually, that was a big one for me, too. I wrecked a truck. I didn't end up in a hospital. Uh, but I wrecked a truck. The accident was my fault. And uh, I just remember, like, sitting there a couple of days later, like, what? Like, because it, it could have been bad and it wasn't. Like, it was by the grace of God that it wasn't a bad accident, but it should have been, probably been. I just remember sitting around a couple of days later thinking, like, all right, what if that had been the end? Like, what am I doing? Where am I going? Like, is this really... Is this really what I wanted out of life? Is this really what the Lord wants out of my life? Oh, there's a fly flying around. Got him. I just killed that fly, by the way. Um, it doesn't really matter what the wake-up call is because everybody's wake-up call is going to be a little bit different. Um, and you have an opportunity there. You have two choices. When one of those wake-up calls happens, you can like regroup recognize it as a wake-up call, say, oh boy, yep, that was an identity check. I need to figure some stuff out. Um, or you can get bitter and angry and sulk and complain. And that's what a lot of men do, frankly. Um, a little piece of their soul starts to die, and they keep dying, and they get left behind. Benjamin Franklin once said that most men die when they, nope, most, yeah, most men die when they're 21 and, or, and aren't buried until they're 70. Um, Henry David Thoreau said that uh, most men live lives of quiet desperation. The reason those men recognize that in other men is that they're seeing this played out, right? Men whose dreams died, men who had their identities wrecked, men who had some sort of hurt, some sort of wound young in their days, and instead of fighting back, instead of getting back on a horse, instead of bouncing back from it, pivoting, they just let it kill them, right? They start dying that day, and they never really lived after that. You don't need to be one of those dudes. You don't need to let your life fall apart um, just because God sent you a wake-up call. Because a wake-up call is there to be a blessing. Um, there's three things you need to do if you're going to get back on track. And, and really, when I say back on track, it's probably a track you've never really been on, at least not since you were a boy. When I say back, back on track, what I'm talking about um, is back on that path towards Christian manhood, the, the path towards being the man that God created you to be, a man after God's own heart, a man who's walking dutifully in the path that God has prepared for you. Um, so in order to do that, you got to do a three things in particular. The first thing you got to do is you got to own the responsibility for what happened. Now, you can probably find a way to blame other people for what happened to you or, or what you did or whatever it might be. And you're also going to be able to find people who like relate to you and buy it. You're going to be able to find those people if you look for them. You're going to find people to feel sorry for you. You're going to find people to feel bad with you. You're going to find people who relate to that rejection if you want to. Um, but that's not going to get you anywhere. That's not going to get you anywhere. What you need to do is do some, like, real hardcore, like, radical um, ownership of what's going on in your life right now. Because the reality is you don't end up anywhere without you playing a role in it. Okay? So if the girl dumped you, right, she might have cheated on you. She might have rejected you. She might have another dude she's in more into than you. And you can blame her and get mad at her, or you can recognize what happened in yourself. If you guys were dating and she dumped you, that means at some point she was into you. At some point she was attracted to you. At some point she thought you were the guy for her. Has something changed? Has something in your heart changed? Maybe she changed. Maybe she grew. Maybe she got more mature and you didn't. Maybe you changed in the opposite direction. Maybe you became less mature. Maybe you just didn't grow up. Maybe you got complacent about the way that you treated her. You stopped treating her like the special girl she is, and you started treating her like anybody else. Right? It's likely that a combination of those things all happened. you got to own that fact 
if you are ever going to improve and get back to the point you were at and where you want to be. You have to be able to make a change in yourself. You have to be accountable for what happens in your own life if you're going to move forward. Okay? Maybe you wrecked a car and you ended up in the hospital for a couple of days, had a wake-up call, and now you don't have a car, you probably don't even have a driver's license, and you got to go through some like physical therapy and things like that to get back on track. Well, you can blame the other driver. You can get upset about it. But the reality is you wouldn't be in this situation if you hadn't been driving the car too fast or if you'd been paying better attention on the road or if you hadn't been out that late. And I know some people are victims, especially in like car accidents. Some people are victims, right? I, I get that. It might not be 100% your fault. Um, but if you have this, like, it, if you were a guy who was totally squared away and w- was actively living out your calling as a man of God, then if you get in a car accident, it doesn't deviate you from the direction you're heading in, right? If I got in a car accident tomorrow and I was like in a hospital for a couple of days, nothing about my identity would change. Nothing about my, my life would really even change. Nothing about it would change at all. If I was paralyzed from the waist down, it wouldn't change my mission. It wouldn't change my purpose. It wouldn't change how I identify myself. It wouldn't change anything about me. Except that I can't squat as much, right? If I asked a girl out tomorrow and she said no, it wouldn't crush me. It'd be like, oh, that's not the girl. We're moving on. Like, if I got kicked out of school tomorrow, which there's an, I wouldn't, but if I got kicked out of school tomorrow, I would still have an ability to carry out my calling as a man of God because my identity is not wrapped up in what I'm studying, right? These things need to be true about you. And so, even if you're a victim and you end up lying on your back in crisis mode, you still have something you need to sort out in your heart, if that makes sense. And a lot of times, God will use those kinds of situations to show us that something in my heart needs to change. So you got to make sure you're not lying to yourself or to anybody else. I've, I've heard a lot of guys, um, especially guys who get caught up in sexual sin, try and blame other people, right? Yeah, well, she pushed me. She made me go too far. I didn't want to go that far. If you listen to some of my podcasts um, from like a, a year or two, you, or a couple of months ago, you'll hear me I even talk about that. There's a podcast titled My First Kiss, right? I even talk about the idea that I, I it, w- there was a girl who like wanted to go further with me than I wanted to, and I did some things that made that I'm still uncomfortable with the fact that I did them. I, I am a 29-year-old virgin. I, I actually take some pride in that. Um, I have done it God's way so far as far as the actual act of, of intimacy goes. Um, and I don't plan on changing that until the night I'm married. Um, but, well, I guess it'll still be doing it God's way. <laughs> but anyway, I, you'll, when you listen to me talk about it, you'll hear me basically say, yep, she was leading, but I was following, and I didn't have to be in a position that I was in. And while it did hurt, and while she did wrong me, and while I did happen to be a victim in a situation, man... I'm the one that invited her over. I'm the one that liked her so much. I'm the one that was willing to compromise. If I hadn't compromised, I wouldn't have been in that situation. If I hadn't invited over a girl I wasn't sure what she stood for, I wouldn't have been in that situation. Right? So there has to be some accountability. And I've never been in that situation again because all of a sudden I learned to be careful about who I'm spending time with and who I'm giving opportunities to be around me and influence me. Right? There you go. I had a really bad roommate once, got in a fight in the middle of the night. All kinds of crazy stuff happened. Well, guess what? 
I was really, really careful after that about who I chose to live with. And I was really, really careful about making sure I had good, strong relationships with those dudes. Like the worst thing that happened with any of my next roommates was that I ate too much of their ice cream and I got a little bit peeved. But then I replaced the ice cream and everything was okay. Like seriously, you learn from your mistakes and you move on. But you can't lie to yourself and be like, man, well, if you didn't, whatever. You can't lie to yourself about that. Right? You run out of money, you can't blame the company that fired you. You weren't ready. You didn't prepare. You didn't do what you needed to do to keep the job. You get fired from your dream job. You can't say, man, they didn't recognize you know, what I'm worth. Well, A, maybe you shouldn't have been working there in the first place if they didn't recognize how much you're worth. And B, if you were adding value to the company, they would keep you. They would find a way to keep you if you were adding value to the company. Okay, Fellas, you have to be accountable. And blaming the other person or blaming the other people involved for what happened with you or to you isn't going to help you solve the problem. Recognize your place in the story, and that might include you recognizing that uh, you allowed somebody to influence you that didn't. Like, not saying that other people aren't at fault. I'm saying recognize your place in the story. Don't lie to yourself or anybody else and own that. Own it so you can move on and figure out the future. Okay? Once you've done that, um, you got to make sure you get right with your God. Um, and that's, that's, that's a big piece. And, and honestly, step one and step two here are going to probably overlap a little bit. So step one is um, own it. Step two is get right with God. Um, you can't try and make major life decisions in your moment of crisis. It's a bad idea for all kinds of reasons, not the least of which is you're, you're making emotional choices and you're going to say things and believe things that aren't necessarily true. Um, one of my biggest crisis moments um, – was it was an interaction I had with a coworker that didn't go the way I hoped it would, right? And it was big. It was a big change moment for me. It was a change in the way I saw my coworkers in general, not even the one specifically that I was working with, um, but it changed the way I saw my coworkers. It changed the way I saw uh, my relationship with work, as far as like professionalism and things. Um, it changed the the, frankly, it changed the whole life path I was on. And it was only a small interaction. I just remember hitting crisis right there and thinking, "Holy cow!" I am definitely not who I thought I was, and this situation is not what I thought it is. If I would have tried to make a major life decision in that moment, I would have thrown absolutely everything away that I've ever built and any opportunity to get back in the game. Um, and that is not good. <laughs> it's, it's not a good time to make a major life decision right when you're in crisis mode. So instead of trying to make major right life decisions or make some major resolution right away, what you need to do is set a time frame for yourself and give you yourself an opportunity to make sure that you get back on track with Jesus. Um, I saw a post the other day that basically said, like, look, um, when you sin, what's happening is you're making um, your priorities higher than God's priorities. And that's a super simplistic way to look at it, but it's not necessarily wrong. And so when things happen in your life that are a result of sin, you need to recognize that sin has played a role in how you've gotten to where you are. Okay? And if you're having major crisis moments, like a girl breaking up with you, like especially a girl who loves, loves Jesus is breaking up with you, um, or you're running out of money, or you're getting cut from a team because of your character, you're getting fired from a job because of something you did, you get a girl pregnant, you wreck your car driving too fast, any of those things, those are symptoms of a problem, not the actual problem. Right? Those are symptoms of a much bigger problem. They're symptoms of a sin problem, the idea that you're living a lifestyle of sin, and now this is a wake-up call. Okay, So the first thing you need to do before you try and make any major life decisions 
is you need to get back in touch with Jesus. That's going to look a little bit different for everybody as well. Obviously, I'm a big preacher of uh, daily prayer and, and, and guided daily prayer. So I write down what I'm praying for every single day, almost every single day. There's some days I just let the Lord guide my prayers. But almost every single day, I write down exactly what I'm praying for. And every single day, I spend time in the Word. I read a psalm, I read a proverb, and I read at least one chapter from somewhere else in the Bible. Today, I read the entire book of Ecclesiastes. I don't have to work today, so. Uh, but I read the entire book of Ecclesiastes. What a tremendous blessing it's been, okay? Every single day, I read a psalm, I read a proverb, and I read at least one chapter from somewhere else in the Bible, and I say daily prayers, okay? If I have the time, I also like to meditate on the Word of God, um, but that's like the one thing that gets thrown away if I don't have it. That's, that's not a non-negotiable. The other two are non-negotiables, okay? So what I would do if I were you, and I'm in this crisis mode, or even if you're just not doing this already, what I would do is set a goal. I'd say make it two months away, maybe three months away, and say in this time, so like maybe maybe it's the whole summer, right? Or maybe it's like the whole first semester even, right? So you go from September through December. You say every single day without fail, I'm going to read a psalm, read a proverb, and read another chapter of the Bible and spend 25 minutes in organized prayer, okay? You set that goal. It's going to take you, what, 45 minutes a day? tops you set that time aside and make that a priority in your life every single day for three months you're going to know jesus better at the end of it you're going to be better equipped to make a decision especially decisions that are guided by the light of the gospel but you can't cheat yourself in this process you can't cheat yourself in this process you can't cheat relationships and this is a relationship okay so you can't give a half-assed effort to jesus and expect him to show up meaningful in your life you're still not opening the door all the way. It's the idea, if you know how a, okay, if you know how an internal combustion engine works, right, um, the way, so basically what's happening is a big chamber in the middle of the engine, and there's pistons on either side of the engine, and they go like this, and explosions, when gasoline runs into the engine, there's an explosion, and the explosion pushes the piston outward, it bounces off the outside and it comes back in. And there's another explosion that goes boom, 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 boom. So when your engine's running, it's just continual explosions over and over again. Now, when your engine's running quietly, when it's running peacefully, when it's running slowly, there's only a little bit of gas being allowed into that chamber. So the explosions are really small and they're a little bit slower. But when you open up that valve all the way, we call that a throttle. When you open up the throttle all the way, so that there's nothing limiting the amount of gasoline. It's just a full throttle into that tank. That engine's going to run at its highest possible speed. So when you open a throttle all the way, you can say it's full throttle, or you can say oh, it's wide, the throttle's wide open. Those are all terminology that, that guys will use when they're like driving a car, driving a boat, when they're working with engines, right? What you need to do is pursue Jesus full throttle. Like You need to love wide open. And if you love wide open, if you pursue Jesus full throttle, okay, there are going to be blessings in your life. He is going to speak to you. He is going to make an impact on you. You are going to know him better, and you will reap the benefits of knowing Jesus better. But if you don't love Jesus full throttle, if you don't pursue him full throttle, if you don't make this relationship a wide open full throttle relationship, you're not going to realize the full blessings of a relationship with your Heavenly Father. And that's just the truth. So you need to make sure that you pour yourself completely into the process of getting to know Jesus better. And when those two months are over, don't stop. Keep pushing. 
keep pushing further up and further into God's grace and mercy. Okay? So when those two months are over, so after you've owned it and owned your piece in the story and even prayed over it to make sure that God shows you what your sin has been, and then you get right with God, probably over two, three, maybe even four months of active study and dedication to the Word, then it's time to make some major life decisions. And what you're going to do is you're not going to look around and say, okay, well, here, okay, here's a better way to say it. What you're going to do, part three here, is to surrender your path under the Savior's hands completely. Just take your entire life and your entire self and hand it to Jesus and say, okay, Jesus, what do you want me to do with it? And you're not going to be able to do that and you're not going to be able to trust your instincts if you don't have a good relationship with your Heavenly Father. So your relationship is your he- with your Heavenly Father is incredibly important every single day of your life because He's going to guide everything that you do. All right? But if you're in crisis mode, you need to recognize that part of the reason you're in crisis mode is that you have walked away from your relationship with Jesus in some way, shape, or form. You were getting too promiscuous with girls. You were letting your ego get in the way. You, were, you weren't being a good steward of the gifts that God has given. Right? Whatever it might be, you were letting some other sin take Jesus off the throne, and you were putting that sin on the throne of your heart instead. So you need to put Jesus back on the throne, and once you put Jesus back on the throne, then you give him your heart and you say, all right, Jesus, you're on the throne. I will do what you say. I will take the path that you have prepared for me. And the reason we do that is that God has created each one of us, every single one of us, with unique set of talents and abilities and passions and desires and skills, right? Each one of us is built different, so each one of us has a different set of characteristics like that, a different set of passions, a different set of abilities, a different set of skills. Even if you have similar skills to somebody else, I guarantee you have different passions and desires, right? And God has equipped us with those. And then he says in Scripture that he's prepared good works in advance for us to do. And the Bible defines good works as things that are done for the good of others in Jesus' name. So when Jesus says he has prepared good works in advance for us to do, what he's saying is, I have prepared good things for you to do in my name for the people around you. Okay? For some of you, that's going to be like ministry. Yeah. Like, so your life is going to be spent doing good things for the children in your life and teach them to read and write and do math so that they can be fruitful and productive and educated adults. For some of you, that's going to be cabinet making. Right? You're going to make beautiful cabinets for people so their kitchens can be beautiful, so they have a place to enjoy preparing food and eating. Right? For some of you guys, it's going to be fixing cars. People can't fix cars themselves, so they bring them to you, and you put them back on the road so they can go about their lives and do the good work that they do in the community and in the world. Right? You need to own your piece of the story. You need to recognize what the Lord has laid on your heart to do, and once you recognize that, you need to go and do it. And you can't skip any of these steps in the process, and you need to absolutely trust the process. Okay? Absolutely trust the process because you right now are entering a new season of life, particularly if you're in one of those crisis moments. If you're not in a crisis moment, maybe you need to be, and if you're not in a crisis moment and you're doing well, you need to recognize that another season of life is going to come at some point, and it'll probably take a wake-up call to get you there just because we're sinful by nature. Okay, so understand that there's going to be more crisis moments in your life as you go through it. And in those crisis moments, you're going to need to make an adjustment. Okay, and the more in tune to Jesus you are, the smaller crises those can be. Like it doesn't have to be wrecking a car at 100 miles an hour. It could be a fender bender, right? Those wake up calls can be smaller. It could be a glint of anger in your girlfriend's eyes. And that changes things because you don't ever want to see that again. It doesn't have to be you messing this up and she breaks up with you. Okay. It doesn't have to be you losing your job. It could be an unpleasant 
situation with your boss where your boss goes, all right, bro, this isn't how this is going to work. Instead of pushing it to the edge and getting fired, you can make that adjustment right there because it's going to burden your conscience that you haven't been doing a good job for the company. But you have to trust the process, and you've got to go through those three steps. Don't make major life decisions without consulting your Heavenly Father first, and you can't trust the will of your heart. You can't trust your instincts if your instincts aren't really truly tied in with your Heavenly Father. And you're never going to get right with your Heavenly Father if you think you're playing a victim in your own life. Okay? So as you surrender the will of the Father, you will lose who you were. You will lose the boy that you were. You're going to lose the guy that you were before the crisis situation happened. You're never going back there, man. But while you do that losing, after you lose that, what's going to happen is you're going to be on a path of discovery, figuring out who God created you to be. And that's a lifelong pursuit and process, right? And when I say lifelong, I don't mean until you're 90. I mean until the day you're dead. So for some of us, it's going to be when we're 45. For some of us, it's going to be when we're 105. But it's going to be a lifelong process of discovering who God has created me to be and faithfully walking out the steps he has prepared for me. Yes, I do have a free will, but God lives in eternity outside of time. And so when he says I prepared good works in advance for me to do, it means he knows what I was going to do before I did it. Well, in our time, he knows what I'm going to do before. I, this, is a, this is a little tangent here. But God lives outside of time. So he sees everything as the present. He sees everything as the present. He sees the things that happened back in the American Revolution as the present. He sees the things that will happen in 2080 in the present. And he also sees what's happening right now as the present. And so when the Bible says he has prepared good works in advance for me to do, it's that God knows and sees and he's working with me, helping me do good things for the people around me to his name's glory. Okay? So gentlemen, if you're in crisis mode, you need to do three things. First thing you need to do is own your place in the story. Own your piece of the puzzle. Own the part of the crisis that you contributed to. Second, you need to get right with God. And you can't get, get, get right with God if you don't have a good relationship with your Heavenly Father. So you need to pour into that and make it an absolute, the absolute priority in your life. Once you put Jesus back on the throne of your heart, then you need to surrender your path to your Savior and let Him lead and guide you wherever He wants you to go. It's not your choice anymore. You're going to let him lead you and guide you and let him show you and discover the parts of you that he's created for very specific purposes, for very specific means. And when you take that path to discovery, man, it's going to be a lifelong, but you're going to love the man you become because you're a man who's after God's own heart. I love you, brothers. Go with the man that God created you to be. We'll see you next time. On behalf of all those involved in producing, recording, and publishing this episode, thank you for listening to the Gird Up Podcast. We hope it helps you along your journey to be a man after God's own heart. Be sure to check out the Gird Up channel on YouTube. There you will find many podcast episodes just like this one, but you will also find exclusive video content geared at helping you be the man that God created you to be by introducing you to other godly men, teaching you how to behave, study, dress, act, eat, and live like a man of God, and you'll find devotions to help you grow in faith. Please consider supporting Gird Up Ministries by donating on Patreon, shopping in the online store at girdupministries.com, or by making a $5 cup of coffee donation at girdupministries.com. Those donations help us make more great content just like this for young men just like you. Make sure that you like, follow, friend, and subscribe to Gird Up and our guests on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. 
Those links are in the description. And as always, we will be praying for you on your journey. Blessings, men. Time to gird up and go be the man that God created you to be.